Are you a CrossFit coach or maybe a box owner looking to learn more about nutrition? You want to help support the athletes that come to your box, maybe have some one-on-one clients. And we all know nutrition is the foundation. We all talk about the theoretical hierarchy of the development of an athlete. And nutrition is at the base. It's like building a house. You can't build the attic first. You can't worry about performance and sport without working on the foundation. And that's what nutrition is. So maybe you're a coach, maybe you're a box owner, maybe you're just an athlete looking to potentially earn a little more income, develop a new income stream as a nutrition coach. Well, you could check out the Own Your Eating Certificate course. We review fundamental nutrition principles, as well as teaching you how to implement flexible eating, that's macro counting, and assist others with their tracking of macros. The cool thing about it is you're going to learn so much for yourself. Even if you didn't want to coach anyone else, but you simply wanted to learn more about tracking macros, you will get so much out of this course. It'll be the last thing you ever have to read, study, purchase, because you're going to get so much information. As well as sharing nutrition experience with you, Own Your Eating will also teach you how to coach others so that you can really make a difference with the people in your community and your lives. Maybe you need to finally get your mom to track macros. Maybe it's your best friend. Maybe you you put on the quarantine 15 and you're looking to just lose a few LBs, a few pounds yourself. This will teach you all of that. And the cool thing about macros, the cool thing about the way in which we at On Your Eating teach you is it's really sustainable. The business setup and marketing strategies are also included. So if you do really want to make this a side deal or a side hustle, You'll, you'll have all the tools you'll ever need to do. And in addition to that, if you're a level three CrossFit coach, you can earn CEUs to help you revalidate. And we also give CEUs for NASM as well as AFA. So you can check that out. For me, every few years, I need to re-up my L4, you know, no big deal, L4 coach, but this will help you do it. So If you're interested in learning more about the Own Your Eating Certificate course, you can go to courses.ownyoureating.com. Or if you just go to ownyoureating.com, right up in the header there, it says become a coach. You can click on that. And with the code BESTHOUR, that's B-E-S-T-H-O-U-R, BESTHOUR, you'll get 15% off. Go check it out now. I was the one, along with Roz, who helped put this all together. So... I really understand that if you have questions for me about it, of course, you can reach out, but I really believe in it. I've put hundreds of people through this course. It's the way I learned how to track macros. It's the way I've been tracking macros for over five years, and I think you will absolutely love it. So go check it out again, courses.ownyoureating.com, and use that code BESTHOUR for 15% off. MDV is back. MDV, well-known in the, in the fitness space. You're becoming more and more well-known. well-known. You are. You, I think you're a well-known guy. I, I I'm not well-known. You, you, <laughs> you know, whenever I go to a new box that's doing uh, NC Fit programming, which is more and more boxes, by the way. I had two calls last week as well as going to my new box. That's all cool. doing All doing your stuff. You know, I, I don't say, hey, I know Kalipa because I mean, I know Jason, but... I don't talk to Jason regularly like I do you. So I'm like, oh, my buddy MDV does that. <laughs> and then I show up and it's five by 10 back squats. And I'm like, he's a And you get wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, it's, it's one of those instances where 
I was like, oh, I'm pretty sore. And then slowly throughout the day, it just spread. So it's getting worse. But you also been around a very long time again faster the northeast seminar staff you've created quite a resume for yourself and beyond that like we were saying you always look very <laughs> dapper you're, <laughs> you're always that's all well, i got going for me anymore is the beard and the hair man that's it i gotta hold on is it time grip. consuming no 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 it's it's just more so uh product consuming you know when i when quarantine all started i shaved everything shaved my head shaved my beard and um you shaved your head i don't think i saw yeah. a picture of that yeah i went with the full buzz cut but i mean back in the day I used to shave my head it was just easy man it was like you roll out of bed at 4 30 in the morning getting ready to coach class you don't have to shower or anything really just you know maybe rent quick rinse you don't have to do your hair and then you're out the door 4.30 in the morning, you must have been coaching for Austin Maliolo. What's going on at 4.30 in the no, morning? No, that was uh, – I was coaching the 5 a.m. or the 5.30 a.m. I forget which one it was at CrossFit New England for a long time. I think I coached it three or four days a week for like a year straight. Um, and that was uh, – you get used to it. Like obviously there's people out there that coach it every single day, and that's their deal. That's what they do. But like you find that you get used to that wake up, the cadence, the going to bed earlier, being probably being done with work a little earlier in the day, uh, which I always enjoyed. You know, most of my work days, I think around that time, we're ending around like three thirty or four. And you have a lot of the afternoon then to like do whatever people do when they're not working or working out. What well, do people do? <laughs> I don't know. I was gonna say, well, hopefully somebody can tell me what that's like because I've I've not found it yet. I. I always used to say when I owned a box, if I got home and like the shows that are on in syndication were still on, like I was like, this is strange because it was early. That would represent it's like four thirty-five, six o'clock. And I was like, so unusual for me in the box ownership days to be home at that time, like to, to see normal, live a normal life, like a dinner, family dinner time. Like that never happened as a box owner. What were your, what, like, uh, when you were owning your gym, I guess let's talk about CrossFit Albany. What was your standard day like? What was I think your. It, 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 it changed and evolved over the years, but at least as I can remember best, it was, I wasn't an early starter there. I had my morning guy and my morning classes till about nine. So I'd probably roll in most days at about 10, mm. which meant I just kind of slept till, like, I didn't set an alarm. I, but I'd wake up, you know, eight or nine. Uh, I didn't do breakfast. I wasn't hanging out at home very long. And I'd be at the gym till seven, eight, nine o'clock at night. Yeah, you know, and, gotcha. and there were ups and downs, ebbs and flows throughout the day. And, you know, we might go out to lunch as a team. Like it was, it was very chill, but, and it was also highly unproductive. Like I could have been way more productive with that. I didn't have to be there late. I just enjoyed it. I mean, you know how it is at a box, the evening classes, the the community rolls in. It's it's a fun time. You want to see the members. So it, yeah. it was just fun. Well, I saw, I actually saw a really funny meme. I forget what stupid channel it was on the other day. It was like the, the morning classes at a, an affiliate is scale and bail. And then the evening classes is like hang, hang in something or other. But like, it's so true. Like everybody in the morning from like the 5 a.m., 6 a.m., 7 a.m. probably like they want to get in, get out, get started with their day. They're all usually self-starter people, not a whole lot of hanging out going on at the gym. And then the evening classes usually, usually is like the opposite. People like hanging out, sticking around to watch the next class, 
back in the yeah. day, you would stick around to do the next class. Remember that? Like, remember that? Uh, people would do the same <laughs> class back to back, like the same back exact back. workout. And I think yeah. it was demographic. You have the older people that are a little more settled down. That was always a little strange to me. I don't know why, but even as someone that truly loves and enjoys fitness, I always thought it was bizarre to wake up early to exercise. I think even like now I've even studied it more, just the, the power of sleep. Hmm. So, you know, you see those people like, like you were talking when you were getting up at 430, obviously for work, it's one thing you're getting paid, it's your job. But when you're getting up at four, 430, you're sacrificing one thing for another. Well, depending on what time you're going to sleep, right? Most, yeah, I would say most people that are getting up at that time are not doing enough to get a full night's sleep. They're probably thinking about it. They're putting in time to try to get to bed by nine or 10, but even then it's like six hours. Yeah. Versus, what do you think is the ideal amount of sleep for some, for oh, you at least? I don't know. For me, geez, I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. Uh, you know, as I'm getting older, I'm, I'm 36. I'm, I'm finding that my sleep gets interrupted more and more by waking up in the middle of the night <laughs> to go to the bathroom. It's crazy. Like <laughs> I'm starting to see the, uh, the effects of aging. Um, I'm, I think I'm good at like seven hours. I, I start to notice feeling tired through the day, definitely less than six. If I got like five hours of sleep, I notice that I'm tired. Um, but the funny thing with me is if I sleep longer than eight or nine, I don't know whether or not it's, it's probably partially both. It's probably a bit of guilt. And then it's also a bit of feeling like too drowsy. Like I get drowsy from sleeping too much. But I also have this weird thing in me, and I've always been a morning person where if, I, if I'm not out of bed at like 7.30, I feel like I wasted the day or I feel like I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing everything I could to enjoy that day or make the most out of that day. So I'm generally an early riser, whether or not I'm working, working out. Um, I never train in the morning though. Like I'll, I'll do body weight stuff like pull-ups and push-ups just to wake my body up but I don't enjoy training before like seven or eight in the morning it's too early for me I just enjoy coffee at that point same here I I don't like moving early I, I will say I've learned that if I can get myself moving it does it's not as bad as I envision it to be but it's not as enjoyable as later in the day and yeah I hear you it's, for me I know those people like Roz my wife will be like Oh, I slept in. Now I'm more tired. I'm like, that's weird. Like, that's not true. That's just something people tell that. them. People say that, but I think it's more what you said. It's more the guilt of like, you feel like you're starting the day on your back foot versus attacking the day. And by that time, especially for you in California, it's like anyone you're dealing with in another time zone is, you know, potentially at noon by the time you're checking your email and getting everything. So you're just, you're always reactive where, the days I wake up at six and I enjoy like breakfast and coffee, when I get to start working at seven or eight, I'm like, I'm in full attack mode. I feel good. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting, man. I, I, I do think that probably most people, uh, at least the most people who I coached at those hours, the five, the 6 a.m., most of them were doing it out of necessity. Like uh, they either had jobs that they had to get to at 7 30 or 8 um, or they had kids that they had to shuffle off to school and they're getting it done um, in the early morning hours 
not a whole lot of people voluntarily waking up at 4 a.m., 4.30 a.m. to go and get after it. There are some, but usually, the, usually necessity. What's the cutoff for you where, like, I know you've done a couple of challenges of like 30 before uh, 5.30. Yeah. So what's, for me, the, it's six o'clock. Like, if my alarm goes off at six or later, I feel normal. Earlier than that, I'm like, this feels like the middle of the night. Where, where's that time for you? Pretty 5 a.m. I think five, 5.10 used to be my wake up <clears throat> for a long time, just for some reason. Like I, I enjoyed waking up at 5.10. Five, uh, I remember when I was uh, right around the time I first found CrossFit, which is like 2005, 2006. I was working a different job and uh, had to get up kind of early, but um, I would always set my alarm for 5.10. But anything, anything um, before 5 a.m. Feels, feels real early. But then after that, for some reason, doesn't feel early. Do you Probably think mental. people, I mean, you and I are very similar. We, we, I think, get inspired by the same types of people. But do you think Jocko and Gary V have created this phenomenon of, you know, the 4.30 wake-up call, the mm. grind and the 24-7 hustle that's either unattainable, unsustainable, or just plain dumb? For, for most people. I think because uh, I was the same way. Like I was like, I got to grind. I got to grind, especially when I was done with the boxes and felt like I was truly just an entrepreneur, like virtual entrepreneur. You had to grind. There's always more to do. But now that I'm 42, I mean, we're settling down a little bit. Like, is that a realistic lifestyle? It's a good question. Um, I'll speak personally first and then maybe give some like general thoughts, but like, I, I am <clears throat> certainly not nearly and like not even in the same stratosphere of success of, of those two individuals. What those two guys, Jocko and Gary V, the guys that point out as an example, they're like what they do in their, their lives and how they manage themselves and the discipline and the work ethic is un, unreal. So whatever they're doing for themselves, waking up early, self-motivation, getting after all that kind of stuff it's obviously working I think for me like I, I enjoy waking up early I enjoy the feeling of getting out of bed knowing that I have time when other people aren't awake um, and not necessarily to like get ahead but maybe maybe that's like a, a result of what's happening I'm, because I'm able to do things like read or journal or you know, make my first cup of coffee and really sit and enjoy it. And, and I find that those are, it's the only time during the day where I'm, I'm not, I don't want to say bothered, but I'm not interrupted by other things that are going on in life. Like, especially through quarantine, it's, it's crazy because a lot of people I'm sure are like shacked up with their significant other or their pet or their family or whatever. And it's hard to find time. Um, a, for yourself, right? Like a lot of people working from home, working out from home, spending all their time with their family at home. So for me, like if I'm waking up at 510, I'm able to spend that next hour at least doing whatever I want to do and just enjoying the quiet, you know, sipping coffee, reading a book. I do think that some of the stuff that, you know, Jocko and Gary Vee, man, like uh, those guys what, like I said, whatever they're doing is working. But like, I think for a lot of people, it, it it's really, 
I don't know. There's something that's it unattainable about it. I think sometimes, or um, it it just ends up being something that's like they say that they do because those guys are 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 doing it right. And as opposed to maximizing the time and really getting after it in all aspects in their life, I I think that a lot of people like the idea of the discipline equals freedom, the 4.30 wake-up calls, more than they like the actual practice of it. I don't think there's a whole lot of discipline out there, myself included. I mean, I would be reaching a lot more of my goals if I had much more discipline. So I, I, agree. Some- That's a, I agree with you a lot. Not that you don't have discipline, but I feel the same way about myself. Like, I do believe you and I are two very disciplined people. And and I do take a page from Jocko and that I try to schedule, like I have my workout plan, my time set on my calendar for today, four o'clock class, because if I don't, it's not going to happen. Like that's mm. my freedom, but it's hard to maintain. I mean, it's, it, and, and you and I chat a little bit offline where it's like, you know, holding each other accountable, setting goals for the week. And most people don't have that. So, mm. you know, unless you have a really strong why or really strong goals, setting the alarm at 4.30 does not make, you know, it's very hard to want to do that. Yeah, it's difficult. It's not easy. No, and I, you know, and that's part of like you're saying, I think you and I, I think both thrive off of that. I don't thrive off of great job, Jay, you did it. Like I thrive off of you're five foot two, you can't do it, (laughs) you know, like, and I think you're similar, right? Like I think, and a lot of people are, you know, we thrive off of like, I want to do what other people can't do. And that's why like when I wake up early, it's like, okay, other people are sleeping. Like you, like Jocko says, it's like, you got to be out training them and out gunning them. So there's that aspect to it, but still, unless you have a really strong reason for it, it's, it's, it's easy to set the alarm. The alarm. It's hard to get out of bed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I agree. It's also, you know, I think that those guys, um, it's, I think it's necessarily good what they're doing too. I think that they're putting a message out there that I think a lot of people can fundamentally agree with that you should be getting after it, waking up early, you know, having discipline to uh, do the things you need to do to get to the things that you want to do or live your life more freely. And, you know, for, for all of the made the people who are out there just posting and then going in and living their life, uh, the exact opposite way, right? Like just saying that they, they do it or they're looking at this and, and deriving some sort of like, uh, I don't know. Some, this is an issue that I have with social media too. Is like so much crap that gets posted on social media is just for um, pomp and circumstance. You want people uh. to see it and stuff like that. So, but I think all that is outweighed by the the good, the awareness that those guys are bringing to this better mindset to have about your life, your work, your fitness. And I think that like, you know, in the, in the profession that we're both in, man, like I, I, I would love people to be living that so much more and be elevating the game so much more that that, that's really like what I want to see out of coaching and CrossFit or functional fitness or whatever you want to call it is that this thing, this craft, this profession that you and I have dedicated our lives to that 
everybody who's involved in it gets on the same page with rising the tide as high as it possibly can go. Because that's the way that the industry is going to grow. That's the way that the respect for what we do is going to grow. That's the way that the, if you talk about salary, money, wages, all that kind of stuff, that's the way that that's all going to shoot up is that everybody's on the same page. there. It's part of that page, not eating while you're coaching. Oh, oh man. Jeez, you guys, man. I did. So yeah, you, you, you caused a little controversy. So this was what earlier this four days ago. So yeah, over the weekend, maybe. Um, yeah. The mind of MDV. I like that. Is that your new uh, hashtag? No, no, no. That's just something that, so we, we have a Twitter account that was collecting dust at NC fit and you know, Twitter is all about short statements and sound bites and things that are really meant to just be, I guess not inflammatory, but like get people thinking about certain things, right? Like that's what Twitter is. It's a platform for a single thought without context. And you know, is you that the see difference between going on in somebody's mind? Is that what, is that how you would classify Twitter? I don't really use Twitter all that much. Is that yeah, what you I would say? It's, it's like, what can I say in 160 characters or less that gets people fired up in one way or the other? Either that, or it's just like whatever is passing through your brain. It's meant, I, I believe it's meant to just be like a really quick uh, snapshot of that thought, right? As opposed to Instagram, which is a, a physical snapshot of a picture, most likely with some sort of context or explanation underneath it. And then Facebook, which is the stream of, of your life. At least that's how I think of those three platforms. Right? I think that's um, pretty um, accurate. Yeah. So we, we, we posted um, a tweet on um, that got repurposed onto Instagram. Uh, and the tweet was, if your coach is eating during class, it might be time to find a new coach. Right. And the intended audience for that tweet is twofold. The intended audience for that tweet is, is for coaches and gym owners to be introspective and look at themselves and, and reflect on the professionalism that they're bringing to the craft of coaching. And then also it, it is to go out there and, uh, you know, shine light on what coaches are doing during class to members who might not know any better um, and to help them demand more out of the service that they're getting from their their coaches and, and, and gym owners not in a way that like I want members to leave a gym like actually leave a gym if their coach is eating during class but just like ask the question to yourself if you're paying 200 250 bucks a month to go to this gym should your coach be eating while they're giving you their uh performance their coaching performance I, I can't so, believe man. anyone is upset with that I I I'm pretty shocked man and like I mean, I, it's like briefly looking at it, it, it seems like the overwhelming majority is taking offense to it and encounter. I mean, the first one is. Couldn't disagree more. Yeah, the first one is, you know, yeah, the second post is couldn't, like literally couldn't disagree more. My coaches <laughs> need to eat. The next post, uh, I wouldn't care if my coach was hungry. It's like. Some what, of it is the impact, like the the nature of social media though, like the outspoken people are always going to comment and they're going to comment in a more inflammatory manner, which is going to catch more attention. It's going to get more people to push the little heart button underneath their comment. Um, so I, 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 I don't know where 
obviously the whole community stands on this uh, idea of eating during class. I know where I stand on it. Um, and I really, really enjoy talking about it because I think it merits discussion. But it's, um, I mean, yeah, I definitely want to discuss it. I just, I hadn't seen it. Maybe I will comment because you're right. So many, it's like the squeaky wheel syndrome, you know, and, and the people that voice their opinion on social media tend to be people that have more time, you know, which is probably if you have more time, maybe you could be doing Maybe you shouldn't things. be eating during class. <laughs> yeah, right. But I don't understand the conflict. Like, hey, I'm paying. Uh, that, that's that's going to always be, or for at least now, continue to be the challenge in CrossFit until, and really all fitness classes, but specifically, we're, you know, I think we're talking about CrossFit where until we can professionalize, you know, and, and, and up the standard of what is expected in a class, we're going to continue to be like the redheaded stepchild of, of fitness, right? Like what, whether imagine going to a yoga class and your instructor is sitting in the front of the room, you know, eating steak and sweet potato. Like that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, that, I, that's one of the examples that I use, man. It's like, imagine you went into your dentist or your doctor and like you walk into the room you're sitting there your doctor comes on in he's starting off he's talking to you everything's fine and then all of a sudden he goes and opens up a tupperware of ground beef and rice and he's just mowing on it while he's examining you it's just it's not the right time or place you know i i i think that the reason why it might have been inflammatory for some people is that i think that some people are doing it i think that some people are eating during class and i think that they're comfortable with that and and in their mind they don't see anything anything wrong with that unfortunately i think for me at least it's like i i see that as a, as being offensive to the professionalism of coaching of of not taking it seriously enough and you know, I, I have my own opinion on it and people can disagree, but like, I, I don't think that in any professional experience, I would be comfortable with the person who I'm paying to perform a service with me or for me to be eating while they're doing that. Like, I, I just think that that's crazy. And it's, it's not only about eating. Like, I think that there, you could substitute eating for a number of other things in that Week, checking right? social media you know, yeah but doing it, their own also, workout yeah you got a ton of a ton of things but it also is in some senses about eating because like there are other things like if you're checking your phone during class right you could be checking people into class right like you could be posting on instagram about the class that's going on right now and if you're the sole owner or the only coach that's there that day and that's part of your responsibility that's just like that that them's the breaks in some senses right so like you can wiggle your way out of some of the other things but for some reason eating stands out as being one of those things where i just really don't think that there's any good excuse or set of circumstances where you could look at look yourself in the eye and be like, I have to eat during class. The only person that I would maybe remotely feel like uh, valid validation about that. Like remember Matt Frankel and Matt Frankel opened up his gym city line. Yeah. He's a maniac and he coached 
literally every single class for like three years. He was the only person to coach, the only person from the morning to the late evening. And maybe in that scenario, I would say, all right, I, I can understand that this guy is running on nothing but fumes. Like it's maybe he takes a bite of a bar and then puts it down and gets back into whatever he's doing. Even in that scenario, I would be shocked if we pulled Matt Frankel into this conversation. He was sitting here. He's like, yeah, dude, I was eating all day, every day during those three years I was coaching. I would, I would bet my next paycheck that he didn't do it at all. Well, and if, you know, I think I think part of it is Matt's professional. He's part of the seminar staff. He, you know, he owned a box. And for for so many coaches out there, it, it's just a matter of prioritizing too, right? Like the prep, especially in, in a in a job like it's one thing. I've been at meetings where the, you know we're sitting at a desk and the, the like my financial advisor, for example, who we were very friendly, like, hey, do you mind if I have lunch while we talk? No, we're just chatting. But you're talking about a career in coaching where I need to be attentive. I need to be running around. I need to potentially give out tactile cues, all of which are stifled or made significantly harder when you have a Tupperware in your hand or even a bar or, or a shake. And as someone that's fasted for the last you know, 30 years on and off for different reasons, you're not going to die from not, you know, and, and, and if, if you're the box owner listening and you're worried about your coaches, that's telling me you're putting them on for too many classes in a row or they're working out right up until they're that's part, right. You coach in a four thirty, So stop working out at four, give yourself 30 minutes rather than trying to push your workout to four thirty and go right into coaching. Yeah. I, 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 it's so thin, man. Like the, some of the, I don't want to call them excuses, but some of like the counterpoints to the statement are just, they just feel so thin. It's like, I coach four or five classes in a row. You're telling me you, you can't go without eating for four hours like that, that you can't go without eating during class for four hours. Like I'm not even talking about when your class is over and maybe you have that two minute or three minute buffer in between where you run over to your bag, take a bite, grab a sip of water, use the bathroom. Like I'm fine with that. I'm just talking about not eating while the class is going on. Like, and some of this other stuff about like, I, well, I work my other job and then I got to go over to the gym and I coach three hours in a row. And those people are out there hustling. I think that those people got tremendous work ethic, but like maybe eat in the car, like, or like eat while you're on your way to the gym. Like what, what does that tell your athletes that when you roll up to class and you you're at the whiteboard and then one of the first things that you do or at some point during the class you open up your tupperware or like you're actively eating while the class is going on i just it's yeah, very it hard me, for me to understand yeah it's immediately i start to think okay this is not as important as and i you know i understand not everyone can do crossfit full time but you know whether you're coming from a nine to five or you're a firefighter or whatever it is and you roll into class these people deserve just because it's part-time for you doesn't mean it's part-time for your members. And, and something else is, I'm not even saying, hey, don't have your shaker bottle with a protein in it and sip it through. Like, that's a different story to me. Even like, you can have that on a box over there. For and sure. Grab a sip every so often, which could be 
four or 500 calories if, if you've done that, you've made a proper shake. So that's not unacceptable. But who do, to me, when I see this and when I talk to you about it, it actually falls back on the owners. Not the coaches will do what the owners accept and allow. So the coaches might be feeling like it's acceptable because their box owners don't say anything. I think this goes back to the box owners. You know, obviously some people are both box owners slash coaches, mm -hmm. but for someone that's coaching part time, if their box owner lets them do it, that's on the box owner now, right? Yeah, I, I, I agree there. I think that it's I think that there's shared responsibility here for setting the expectation and holding a certain standard of professionalism. I'm not, and I'm not talking about crazy professionalism either. I'm not talking about like having to roll up in a three-piece suit to class and coach like Pat Riley, right, for the Knicks. Like, you don't have to, you don't have to look like that or do that. But I do think that the, the, there is a level of responsibility on the owner to set a proper expectation and to make it clear what – what is acceptable and what's not acceptable. But then there's also a level of personal responsibility here that I think any coach who really wants to maximize their potential in this space, not only like uh, earning potential, but um, you know, how, how good can they get personal responsibility on that person to take a hard look in the mirror and like, all right, yeah, aside from my technical abilities and aside from my ability to teach, see and correct the movements, interact with the athletes, form relationships? Are there other things that I'm doing that might be holding me back from reaching my full potential? And some of those things are really, really hard, man. Like I, I'm not perfect. I remember back in the day at CrossFit New England, like there were days when I was, I coached like a, a private session in a, a pair of flip-flops. And like, I look at that now and go, that's wild. Like why, why wouldn't I have taken the time to just toss my sneakers on and coach that session? Right. Um, so it, no, I, it's I, a tough I, one I, for me, dude. I agree with that because, you know, you, you, you nailed teaching, seeing, correcting. And then we, you know, we have demonstration group management and presence and attitude, right. Equally important. So you you could see movement. Well, you can correct it well, but, if you're eating, I mean, there's your presence and attitude. Your presence is diminished, in my opinion. Most likely, your group management has stepped down. Most likely, your ability to demonstrate is suffering. So it is integral in, in your ability to become a better coach. And, and, you know, even then, you talk about flip-flops. I, I remember when, when I moved to Florida, you know, it's a change of pace. I'm, I was coaching in flip-flops, and the owner of the box got mad at me. And was like, dude, you can't coach. And this is like, I'm a level four at the time. He's a Ooh. level one coach. You know, he's just like Good for the him. owner of the box. And he was like, dude, you can't do that. And and it nipped it. Like, I was like, okay, if I'm going to coach here, I can't do that. Like, that's the rules I'm, I'm willing to live by to coach at this box. So was it, you know, your responsibility or Ben's responsibility to, to tell you that? Probably both. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, you should know better. Ash, I should have. You you can't help but like look back in hindsight and say like that looks unprofessional having flip flops on. Yeah, but, and it's one of these things like you just because you can doesn't mean you should. Like, I'm sure you could go out there and coach a great class in flip flops, and maybe uh, nobody would think twice about it. But like, I remember 
I don't know if I think it's Nicole. Nicole had this um, one liner that she used to say, right? Like it, if you're going to use a swear word, right? If you're going to curse and you think that one person might be offended by what you're about to say, you should find another way to say it, right? Like just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. Can, can you eat and, and coach an effective class? maybe, maybe you can, but also maybe that there's somebody in the room who's questioning why is the person who I'm paying all this money eating while they're delivering this class to me? Yeah. And it's not even always the act of eating. It's just the idea that you're not prepared. It shows me you're not, you didn't prepare well enough for this hour of your life. Like you should have made some other choices today. And that might've been putting your workout aside or like you said, planning ahead, eating in the car. But that what what you just said about, about Nicole has resonated with me over the years as someone that, you know, really never cared about what words were coming out of my mouth and, yeah. and always risking being offensive. That is something that I've, that I thought about since I've heard that, especially cursing. I rarely curse anymore. And especially during seminars, cause you're right. You have 50 strangers. One of them, most likely we'll be offended if you use the effort. For sure. So why? For sure. What, and you have to have that risk reward. Like what value is that adding? It's like a comedian, right? Like some of these comedians that use the curse words all the time just are shitty comedians. So they, you know, so they, yeah. so it's a way of getting away with it where I find the comedians that don't do, do that are much smarter because they have to figure out a way to, to make me laugh without, taking me aback more so mm. well comedy is a little bit different you know comedy is like a lot of times about shock and awe and creating uh timing and delivery and you know differences in uh you know whether it's cadence or you have a well-placed word and that makes the joke like and you know, there's some of that that translates over to coaching. There is a level of entertainment that you want to bring to coaching. But I, I mean, I agree with you in regards to swearing. I've, curta I've curtailed swearing in my coaching uh, to almost be non-existent. Like if I'm, if I'm going out there on the floor to coach a class or I'm going to be in front of a group of people in a certain setting, like I'm not going to be swearing. I still swear in my everyday life. I mean, like it's kind of part of my fiber as a New Yorker. It's really hard to kick that habit. But um, I, I, I would say that if I'm coaching a class, if, a, if I swore during that class, I would look back and say, I, I made a mistake. That was not appropriate. Yeah. And even if you think you know the class, I mean, it's just not worth it. I think really what we're saying, whether it's eating, cursing, et cetera, is just try to move the needle in a way that's professionalizing. What, why, why do you think coaching has become something that's acceptable to not be professional? Oof. Uh, or maybe it's not. I, I, maybe I... Is it, is it something we've talked about before? Is it just because there's no standard? Is it just the way that Glassman founded this thing was, hey, cream rises to the top, so you can be really bad at it, and that's okay? I think it's a really good question. Um, I, I think people are comfortable a lot of times. Um, 
you know, it's really, it's really comfortable to be, to be in a garage gym and to, you know, roll around on your floor with your buddy on the floor with your buddies after a workout and, you know, have really loose uh, standards. And it's fun. I mean, I think we all enjoyed that environment. Um, but I, I do think at some level that that comfort holds certain people or certain gyms back. Um, and I, I, I certainly think it holds the profession from an outside point of view back that, you know, when you're, when you're not taking things as seriously, if you're eating or you're on your phone, you're scrolling Instagram, or you just like finish your workout three milliseconds before you're about to start class and you're coaching with your shirt off, or you look like you just rolled out of bed and you know, you're coaching in your pajamas. Like I, I do think that that stuff holds the entire group of us back from maybe this outside perspective of people looking in and going, Oh, those people are just gym rats or those people are not professionals. They're just coaches. And I, you could make the count, you could make the argument that who cares what other people think. But I do, I do think that like, if how many coaches have you talked to in your career that go, Hey, I want to, I want to make more money. I want to uh, be I, I want to be paid more per hour for what I do. I want to have the respect of my peers. I want people to look at what I do as being sacred and professional. Uh, and I want to do this for a long time, right? A lot. Have you talked to a lot of coaches? I mean, I would, I would argue a hundred percent of coaches feel that way, whether or not they right? said it to me. Yeah. I mean, and that goes for any, everyone wants to make more money at what they're currently doing, but but there's so many coaches that do this in a part-time way because they can't, you know, they, they can't afford to do it full time. So yeah, that's so many people. You're absolutely right. But I think that that's so, so people choosing to do this part-time because they have other financial needs or other goals. Like I am a hundred percent okay with that. I think that people like coaching in a lot of ways, for some people is, is it was cyclical, right? You, you find it in different seasons of your life and you might follow this path for a short period of time and you might realize you have to go off and do or be different things. I think that that's okay. I also am okay with the person who's got another complete job or life and then they do coaching for a short period of time, a couple times a week. I, the standards for professionalism that I would hold those two people to those hypothetical people are the same that I would hold you and me to. I don't think that the expectations are necessarily different. I'm still going to have that person uh, or expect that person to, to be prepared, be well-dressed, not eat during class, not be on their phone to coach to the highest level that they can physically and personally coach to at that point with realistic expectations of like where their knowledge base is at and what their skill is at. Um, I, I think that that's, that's all fine. The, 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 the problem that I have is that I think that there's a lot of people that get stuck in coaching for years, years and years on end. And some people are going to wake up at 32, 33, 34 years old and then it's going to be a rude awakening. They're going to look at themselves in the mirror and be like, I did, I did not do enough for the past seven, eight, nine years 
to get myself to the place where I need to take my next step, where I'm maybe not coaching every single class at somebody else's gym, or I've created more value for myself to go and work for another company or open up my own gym or start my own uh, personal training business, whatever they want to do. I, I, I think that that issue right there, the, the fact that you can coast and be comfortable for so long and then one day you're going to get hit like a wall. It's going to hit you like a ton of bricks that there could have been more to be done or be realized through those years to put you in a better position to be long-term successful in fitness. I don't know if any of that made no, any I, sense. It makes but... a lot of sense. I'm, I'm just trying to wrap my head around it. And I think, I mean, this is many discussions we've had and it's the, I think part of the problem is there really isn't a standard. So, you know, in, in the crossover world, of course, there's level one, two, three, and four, but there's really nothing stopping a bad coach from becoming a level three. It would be tough to get your level four because there's an evaluation that happens, but that that's part of it, right? There's, there's no standard of like what makes a good or bad coach. And, every box has a different belief system on what that mm -hmm. looks like. And then ultimately it's up to the box owner. And I, I think you're right for, for a lot of people, they, they just get very complacent. And I think it's like a double-edged sword. It's like that kind of snake, you know, eating itself where it's so many people do this part-time. So they don't have the time, energy, resources to develop. And then because they're not developing, they're kind of stuck in this part-time mold, right? So it's like, it's, it's, it's a never-ending cycle. And I think that's, you know, but the truth is we've proven, I mean, look at you, look at me, look at plenty of our mutual friends. You have, you have people at NC Fit out there that are doing this. Like there is the opportunity to do this full-time. I, you know, I, I kind of, I maybe disagree with you a little bit there. I think the never ending cycle is the never ending cycle of comfort. I, I, I don't think it's the never ending cycle of part time. Um, it, it's and just, this, this maybe is where personal responsibility comes into it more for me than, than having some sort of governing body tell you that there needs to be a standard. I just think that we all should know better. And if you want to be really, successful and really great at what you do hold yourself and, and those people around you to a, a higher standard. And I think that you're going to get there faster and, and more effectively. You know, I, I, I'm really, I, I'm, I'm, I'm troubled by this sense of, I don't know if it's a sense of entitlement, but you know, I, I'll, almost every single coach that I talk to, like you just said before, wants to make more money but like are you then willing to do what you might not necessarily want to do or are not comfortable in doing to get there and if you're telling me that I'm comfortable eating during class and if you're working especially if you're working for me I'm a hundred percent going to tell you that then you will not one, you're probably not going to be working for us but two you're definitely not going to be making any more money you're not going to go any further than where you're at right now. That's like a hard stop for me. Yeah. If, if you're the type of person that wants to eat during class, thinks it's acceptable, A, you're probably not going to get hired here. But if for some reason you manage to, 
you've hit your ceiling until you change your mindset. I don't, I don't disagree. I think, you know, going back to what I was saying, I think you're right now. A lot of it is it's, it's, it's both, but I do believe what you said is true. Like it, it comes down to like, are you self-motivated and are you trying to better yourself? You know, for example, I, I hear from a lot of people like, Oh, should I get my level one? Should I get my level two, my level three? And, and my attitude is always, if you're a CrossFit coach, you should be pursuing higher education. And now that may be the CrossFit courses out there. It may be an NC Fit course. If you guys put something out, it may be, you know, an OPEX course. There's, there's plenty of options. But mm-hmm. the point is, if you're not doing something annually, and it may be a completely different, you know, it might just be, are you reading books? Like, you need to be educating yourself in this world of coaching. But so many people are complacent and don't do that and then wonder again why they're kind of stuck where they are but it, i think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier man you live train. by that train you live by that yeah. train how early does that come every day all day every day man it doesn't stop through the middle of the night rolls by talk about interrupting your sleep yeah it's really crazy. um and i think for so many people it comes down to being self-motivated and, and and a desire to better yourself. I think that's a big part of it. Um, I, you know, getting into the topic of education a little bit, uh, I, I, I probably take a little bit of a different stance on it. I think that, uh, I think that the continued education process is um, super, super important. I think that people should be thinking about what credential is next on the horizon for me and how can I how can I study? How can I improve my craft? How can I prepare myself to earn that credentials? I think something that probably is more important for coaches that want to improve their skills is the, the daily education, like the actual reflection on how am I going to go out there and coach this class? What are you doing to plan for that class? Are you consuming any sort of uh, daily materials that are helping you get prepared for the class that you're going to go out there and coach, you know, whether that's, you know, you get a, a brief from NC fit collective or you get a brief from the hand plan or whoever else, or you're making your own, I don't care if you're making your own, but that daily uh, ritual of preparation or study or getting better, I, I think is going to make better coaches quicker than all right, well, I'm going to get my level two or I'm going to study for my level three. And those are the level two is a great course, probably my favorite course out there. But, and the level three is a ton of material. You have to work through it and really understand it to, to pass that test. I think that the, the, the daily stuff is, is more important. Um, you know, there's a lot of coaches out there who are, tremendous trainers who only have uh, a one next to their name and there's on the other side of the equation you got people like yourself walking around who are you know jedi knights and you got a four next to your name but there's crappy coaches at both ends of the equation there's crappy threes and there's crappy ones um that daily the daily stuff is is important for me i i agree with you i think the daily stuff just becomes hard to measure so someone may be saying I do the daily work, you know, I do for, you know, I journal every day, much like you and try to read stuff and follow new people and and learn from them. But it's hard to measure. Is that actually helping me improve? 
So is it? Why? Why I, would why would a credential be any easier to measure if it's helping you improve? I think when there's a standard, that's part of it. You know, anyone that's passed the level three, I know immediately that they at least put a lot of time and effort into learning. They they still may be a bad coach. I don't disagree with you there, but it's it's probably more their presence and attitude or ability to manage a class than their ability to teach C and correct. It just, it's time under tension, right? Mm. So it's, it, it's no different than jujitsu, right? If, if, if I meet somebody and they tell me what rank they are from white to black belt, I have an understanding of how much time they've been on the mats of what they're capable of versus someone that's like, well, I've, I, I watch jujitsu videos every day. Right, mm -hmm. like a keyboard, like cool. Are you a keyboard warrior? And you, you know, you like on your, you know, in, NC Fit posts, like those are keyboard warriors. Or are you some assassin that if I turn my back and choke me out? I don't know that based on what you're telling me. And I don't think they're exclusive of one another. I think you do need both. I think that's just why I think the credential helps. But and it, but again, it doesn't have to be CrossFit. If you're like, um, you know, Jason Layden, for example, who you know, it's like. He's very high up in the OPEX world. I don't know the credential system as well, but I can tell, you know, he can easily explain to me what he's done and I can understand, okay, this guy's serious about his coaching. Yeah, I, I, I understand that aspect of the, the credentialing system for sure. I, you, have, you have a base at least to evaluate this person from and a set of um, maybe widely understood uh, whatever they've gone, you know what they've gone through to get that same, the level one, right? You know what the qualifications are to earn that credential. You know exactly what they go through in that course. You know exactly what the test looks like. So you're going to be able to evaluate. MDV froze for a second right now. Let's give him a moment. There he is. You're back. Oh, sorry. You're frozen for a second. Yeah, you were just Who saying knows? you're able to evaluate. Uh, you, I, I think you're just able to evaluate like off of equal footing um, and what, that's, what a person has gone through to earn that credential, right? And there's obviously, well, the, you know, recommendation off of what all three like what kind of trainer you're gonna be the belt system is a little bit different for some reason like you know almost what level of danger i don't want to say danger how how dangerous this individual is or how educated they are based but, on their their belt okay but say you didn't know me and you know i showed up and i'm like okay hey I'm interested in coaching him. I mean, this is what happened recently here. And I was like, mm. he kind of, you know, he knew who I was. And then if you know who I, who I am, you know that I'm a level four. But if you didn't know me at all, and I'm like, oh, by the way, I have a level four. You'd be like, cool, I want you to coach. Like, you, yeah. you might level still want to watch. Level four is a tough example. Is that just too far off the charts? I, I just don't think anybody really knows what the level four is anymore. Is it, is it out? It's not out. It's coming out. Okay, well, use the level three then. Yeah. If, if three people show up to, you know, NC fit and one's a one, one's a two, one's a three, I think you still watch them all coach. 
but you probably go into it. If you had to just randomly pick one, you're probably going to pick the level three. Yeah. Without I, seeing, and without I, I would seeing argue, any other. Yeah. Without seeing, but I would also say to your point, the, the person that has achieved the level three probably does a lot of the small things you're talking about along the way. Did you catch that? Uh, I did. Uh, and I would say maybe. Maybe. It's, well, it's like the whole adage of how you do one thing is how you do anything. It would, you know, it would be, and, and this is not exclusive to the CrossFit world, right? You know, um, you, you are a tattoo collector. You seek out the best tattoo artists. You know, you, 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 you probably know the better tattoo artists did a lot of little things along the way to get that skill. Isn't that? I don't know. I, I'm having a tough time connecting like the analogies. I, I understand what you're saying. And like, I, if, if you gave me that example again, where it's like, all right, I had a blindly hire one, a level one, a level two or a level three. I, yeah. I'm probably going to hire blindly the level three, but you know, even if I'm able to see how those three people walked in or showed up to the interview that day, there could be things that the two and the three person do that are complete non-starters. And I'm, I'm going, all right, I'm, I'm going with this person over here, the level one who has, you know, the lowest level of education, but the, the highest level of respect for how they treated the interview Fair. or, you know, so. No, I mean, I think this is really the entire conversation, right? There's no, there's no standard. But there's a personal standard, right? Like, kind of like one of these things that you get out of reading Daily Stoic and like all these other philosophies is that there's like an inherent good, right? There's it's always on my desk, both books. Yeah, those are great. The journal is, is harder to, um, to keep up with daily. I try to do, yeah, I, I miss some days and I try to catch up, but I get, I try to get one. It's one of those things like exercising really. Once I start it and do it, I feel so much better for the rest of the day. Yeah, so, I, I, I agree. Um, but, but like, yeah. you know, one of the things that you can pull out of Daily Stoic is that like there's this inherent good. Like you, everybody, uh, you know, barring any sort of like a psycho or sociopath type of mindset, right? Like, or uh, condition, I don't know what it's called, but um, you know what's good, right? And you know that you have to make uh, good choices, more good choices than, than bad choices, right? And the bad choices don't define you. They don't say who you are. But like over the course of time, if you make more of those, you're going to find yourself in a situation that you've created. And I think the same thing can be said about like the type of professionalism that we're talking about. I, I do think that there's like this uh, fundamental, there should be a fundamental knowledge of like what flies and what doesn't fly. And like, eating doesn't fly being on your phone doesn't fly like looking like a bum or just rolling out of bed or you know coaching class with your shirt off I, all of that stuff inherently at least in my opinion shouldn't fly like I, I i just think that there's regardless of what is being asked of you from your owner regardless of what the standard is there's no organization out there that's telling you like, like hey this is these are the five things that you must do I think personally, 
coaches in the space that want to take things to the next level should should know and should feel that some stuff is just out of bounds. Here, it doesn't, here. And it doesn't, it doesn't make you a bad person either. It's just like, it means you need to reprioritize. You're right. I mean, I, I, we're not disagreeing on that. And I don't think we're disagreeing ultimately. It's just, I guess the question becomes like, how do you make that the standard? And how do you, I think as you were saying that part of me thinks like, that's created on seminar staff. Like every Saturday morning, eight o'clock, it's like, uh, you know, look and act professionally. Um, it would be, you know, if one of us were eating while coaching a breakout group, we'd get yelled at. Don't talk while something, you know, so it's like those standards are kind of set and reiterated week after week, hundreds. That's cult cultural and culture. organizational. So maybe that's what it comes down to, right? Is it the culture of, of CrossFit and the organ? It, it, well, because it's, it's twofold. It's, it's the culture because the, the people who are wearing the red shirts are all living it and holding each other to the standard. And that's what has been passed down. But it's also organizational because there are rules in place about not eating during the seminar, you know, not talking while somebody else is lecturing how you need to show up, what you should look like, dress like, how you should, how you should go out there and do the lectures, right? It's very, it's very clear about what the standards are. So, I mean, you're in a position where you and Kalipa are basically training and developing the staff for, for your affiliates. Yeah. Both of you have been a part of seminar staff for extended amounts of time for, you know, so is, is that part of it? Is that why you guys are on the same page? as well as your staff, because you had that, and same with me, and I think anybody that's on staff, we can put them into this conversation, they would probably agree with us. And I would also say, with that being said, like even looking at your post, you, you know, to be fair, you say something along the lines of like, most likely, you're not saying if your coach is eating, kick them in the balls and fire them. You know, <laughs> you're saying most likely you need, but then we, we also are open-minded enough to know, hey, there's exceptions to every rule. Like, your coach walked in and you threw him into class because somebody didn't make it. So they, you know, so there's, we're not saying it's 100% of the time. You know, I think that's part of our culture as well. We're all pretty open-minded. I mean, Fern and Todd and I, and you, like, we don't always agree on everything, but we can talk and listen. So I yeah, think that's, I, that's part of it as well. I, I there's definitely, I learned a lot from the, the people who I've had the, the, the privilege of coaching next to and learned a lot from, from being on the, the seminar staff team. And so I think a lot of that comes into, you know, obviously how I think about the professionalism of our team and, <clears throat> but there's also other aspects of how I've developed personally and, you know, what Jason had, how he, his personal journey, how he has developed that, you know, have gotten us to this point where, you know, we, we have high expectations for the people who, who coach for us and um, we want them to have high expectations for us. I, we kind of started this conversation with like the, this thing of eat, the eating during class, like, and you just, you kind of just mentioned like, Hey, there's always exceptions to the rule. I think that there's some things there are exceptions for. I still don't think that there's any exception for eating during class, unless you are, like a type one or type two diet. Like, you, you need to have a medical excuse why you need to eat. Like, ha, 
I gotta ask you, have you ever in your, how long have you been doing this? At least just, just CrossFit. I'm going on like my 14th year. Yeah. You're like 15 years into this. Like you've seen thousands of classes, hundreds and hundreds of coaches. Have you ever encountered a coach who was so busy, so busy that they couldn't find another time in their day to eat that wasn't while they were coaching class? No, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, I think there are exceptions. Like you mentioned, it's like the diabetics. I think I can see an exception of, hey, your coach coaches the four o'clock class and the six, and they typically have the five o'clock off and your coach doesn't show up and you're like, hey, MDV, I need you to sub in. You're like, dude, I'm starving. Can I just grab something? And again, I'd be like, do it fast. I wouldn't expect you to have a Tupperware and a fork on the on the floor, but I could be like, grab a couple bites. So, I mean, you and I fully understand, like, you're not going to die from not eating for an hour, two hours, even eight hours. So I'd say no. The, 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 the chance you need to eat on the floor is very, very low. It's, it's yeah. almost impossible. I, I agree with that. I'm just saying there, there's always – I don't like to speak in absolutes. But, you know, there, I, but I know. for the most I, part, I there's, there's, there's – I, I agree with the sentiment of like, hey, if you have a coach that's consistently – you find is consistently eating while they're coaching, there's a problem. You know, MDV eats on the floor for the first time. You've been coaching it for three years. I know something happened in your day-to-day. And it's probably you didn't organize yourself. You didn't plan. Something happened. But I'm also not as angry as, at you as I am the guy that does it every time. You know, so, yeah, I agree with you. That's so soft, though, dude. It's so <laughs> soft. That's like, like I, eating. Eat, I'm, I'm getting hung up on the eating thing, too. Because, like, you are phone, but I, phone, hey, I forgot my shoes. Those, to me, are like, all right listen, you got like some sort of emergency at home or like you get a phone call and you, you look at your phone, you're like, Oh shit. Like who's calling me right now? This could be something serious. I, I got to take this call. Bathroom emergencies completely understand that as well. Hey guys, while you grab your stuff for the warm up, I'm sorry. I, I got to run and use the restroom really quickly. Please oh, just get all the time. Get, yeah. Don't do it all the time. Dude. No, I, pee a lot. I, can't drink a lot of, I drink a lot of water. I'm just saying like, if I coach, you know what I'm coach two or three classes in a row outside, you know, and it's a busy class, you know, there's a chance you might have to, you don't have that two minute gap like you mentioned, but I, I get where you're going. Yeah. For me, the eating thing is like, hydration is also different. Like hydration, completely understand. Hey, talking a lot, you're out there exerting yourself. You need to take in some fluid or it's, Hey, it's five o'clock in the morning. You're rolling up to, to class and you're necessarily still maybe a little bit tired. You're going to have a couple of sips of your coffee as the class gets kicked off and all that kind of stuff. Way more understandable for me than like this idea that you can't forego eating for one, two, three hours while you're supposed to be coaching. I just, it no, just I- stands, stands out as being something that's so alien to me and foreign versus all the other stuff all the other stuff that if you did it on the floor i'd be like ah listen we got to talk about that can you tell me why why did you take that phone call during class hey listen my kids are at school i thought something was up completely understand. And also, i'm good man even in those scenarios 
put the onus back on the coach. If I'm coaching for you, I might be like, hey, MDV, just so you know, you know, Roz is pregnant. For the next six months, while I'm coaching, my phone's going to be on me. It's only set to go off if it's her. So if I pick up the phone, you know Roz called and I was worried it was an emergency. And I, I've just diffused, you know, and that goes back to, you know, what we were saying. It's just like the ownership of, of your professionalism as a coach has to first and foremost come from you as the individual. Yeah, and that also uh, goes into informing your class. Like I would I would Yeah, but say that to the class too. Probably take this the same route for the first couple of weeks that this is going on or first couple of days like you make the announcement to your class. That, hey, listen guys, I got my phone on me. My wife is pregnant. I want to make sure that if anything uh, happens or if she needs to get in touch with me, that's the only time it's going to go off or notify me. Thank you very much for understanding. Uh, or like, let's say like it's a one-off, you weren't expecting that. And we, let's use the bathroom thing. Make the announcement to, to the class really quickly uh, in a way that's not disgusting or like giving them too much details, but at least informing them so they know where you went instead of like you jetting off and then coming back or make it at the appropriate time. Obviously there's like emergency situations, but like, if you're coaching a heavy back squat, you probably don't want to run off at the time that everybody's about to squat. Right, you got Maybe two minutes rest in between sets. Go yeah, pee. you got to figure out when to go and do it. But the eating thing, man, just <laughs> you're you're a little hung up on the eating thing. But I did. I got to make a t. We got to make t-shirts or something. What? There's got to be some sort of clever saying now. What? What spot? Like, did you see this happening or? Did it just pop into your mind? Like, what, what was the catalyst for this post, if you can even say it? I, I want to throw I one did, of your coaches under the bus. No, 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 no. No, I, I don't know why it popped into my head. I, like I said, it's something, that, it's something that I think people do right now that they're comfortable with that I don't see there being any legitimate excuse unless there's a medical reason to be eating during class. And, and that's just my opinion on it. And I don't think it's dehumanizing or uh, anything like that to coaches to say that, hey, during the, the hour, during the best hour of their day, that you shouldn't, right. be, you shouldn't be eating. And I think that the visceral reaction that you get from some people about this stuff, and I know personally this happens to me a lot, like if somebody challenge me, challenges me on something that I'm comfortable with, that's when the most visceral side of my reaction comes out, like my fight reaction comes out. It's like you're challenging me on something that I'm really, really comfortable in doing and I don't think is wrong, so I'm going to come back with fists and fire, right? And I think that that's probably what, inspired some of those posts from people who are all good people i bet like all those people are probably really good people and they're probably probably good coaches too but like they're they're probably they're eating on the floor during class and they're comfortable with it and they don't see anything wrong with it and somebody challenging that makes them feel uh slighted or make makes them feel like i'm saying that they they are not worthy of being a good coach yeah, I think they feel guilty probably to some extent. Like you Maybe. I mean, going back to all of this, there's no excuse. I mean, if you're one of the people arguing or, or commenting on that, I think you're probably closed minded too. Like why can't 
we just put an opinion out there and feel this way. But well, Closed-mindedness, man, is another thing that I think we in this, uh, you know, CrossFit functional training space, we're, we're all probably at some point guilty of in our, our careers, not just with coaching, but also with like fitness. Huge. We've talked about this before. I mean, I think that's probably the area of my life that I've grown the most. Even, even just having a conversation with another person like this, we're pretty much on the same page, but just the willingness to listen to someone else's side of the story. And then also when it comes to fitness, realizing you got to be open-minded on everything, whether it's what programming you're doing or what you're doing or how often you're resting or are you doing yoga? Like all of that just comes down to being open-minded where 15 years ago was a CrossFit, you know, you're in or you're out. Yeah. You're not doing you know, thrusters or pull-ups GTFO. Yeah. And I mean, now you and I talk more about Peloton than we do CrossFit. Oh, we're going to talk Peloton. <laughs> Man, that train goes by all the time. It does. It goes by all the time. Is it one of those it goes deals? By more in the mornings, obviously. Is it one of those deals where like we should have checked into that before moving in, or you knew what you were getting into? Uh, knew what I was getting into. I've lived close to a, a train before when I was living in Boston as well. Uh, it wasn't as frequent. It wasn't as loud. Um, this is like this is freight trains. This is commuter trains. This is all hours, and they smash the horn when they're going by. It's crazy. I mean, yeah, I see like trains. We, when we were in Boulder, there was one that went by our apartment. I'm like are there that many trains that you need to be hitting the horn? Like, are you really concerned about hitting another train or a human or something? Like, and it's probably and at that some point, sort of like liability or union thing. Yeah, I mean, to. if I'm hearing the horn, it's probably too late. Like I'm probably yeah. in the danger zone already. Yeah. No, and if there's another train bearing down there, yeah, they're not we're, putting it in reverse. We're done. Um, no, I mean, we don't have to dive into Peloton. Are you doing the Peloton 2020 challenge right now? Look at you. You said we don't have to dive into it. Then you dive right into it. <laughs> Peloton's great, man. Peloton has uh, opened my eyes to a kind of fitness that I used to really enjoy. I used to just love, enjoy condition, uh, excuse me, love uh, conditioning. I used to love running, soft sand running, running miles. And, you know, Peloton on the bike has really reignited that for me. Um, you just sweat. You just get on there and, go as hard as you can for 20 or 30, 45 minutes. And um, it's, it's, it's kind of cathartic. It's cool because it's like, it's just no other equipment, just you looking at the screen and you getting after it on the bike. And it's been cool to explore that. I, I like it a lot. Yeah, I agree with you. It's, it's cathartic in the sense that you can't really think about other things too much. You have to pay attention, but it's like, it's like moving meditation. Uh, when I'm on the bike and I, I've been slacking lately, as you know, but I've been biking outdoors and I get the same thing out of That's that. Cool. Like, yeah. you know, I typically for me, I throw in some grateful dead, like an old concert, get hit the trails. And it's one of the only times in my life where I'm not doing or thinking about anything, but the moment right there. So I really enjoy yeah. it. Who's I, I also you, like the, Oh, sorry. No, I was, I was just say, saying, I also like the ability to, uh, it's very simple, right? It's just, it's just pedaling. So there's, as opposed to a CrossFit or functional fitness class, like you have to think a lot more about your mechanics and your techniques and how you're going to approach different movements in that sequence of the workout. And then, you know, with the bike, it, it really shuts off that part of my brain. It's, it's just what kind of level of 
pain do you want to tap into for that time? Well, talk about pain. You are an absolute beast. I don't know how you do it. No, dude. So funny, funny enough, there's another guy who's on our NC fit team, um, who used to bike a lot. Right. And he, he took time off and then through the quarantine got him found himself on a Peloton a couple of times. He's putting up numbers that is like ranked in like the top 15 while he's in this class of like 20,000 people. And it's, he's just like, ah, oh, yeah, I just like stand, I just go as hard as I can for 30 minutes and you know, I get 700, 700 as an output, which is ridiculous. Yeah. He's one of those minutes, guys. My goal is always, 10 a minute. So if I can get 300 and you've thrown up like 500s. I've got a, a bunch of 500s. Yeah. I'm usually finding myself like 450 for everybody. Like if you guys are listening, you have no idea what's going on. It's just an, uh, a wattage output that helps you score your, your workout. Yeah. Um, I would say the, the most comparable thing for a CrossFitter would be calories a minute on an assault bike. Yeah. Yeah. They're, right. they're measured, measured differently, but, um, I think it's yeah. only because for me, like sustaining 10 calories a minute on the salt bike is like, I have to work for it. And same here. Like I can get 10 a minute in wattage, but mm. I have to work for it. Uh, who's your, who's your favorite instructor? Uh, Tunde Odgene is my favorite like, instructor. You like Tunde. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I don't think I've ever great. taken... I may be taking one or two of her classes, more like the meditation stuff, but on the bike, I like uh, Christine and Dennis because I like the 80s and 90s. So you probably, uh, you'll always throw the classes up there. I'm like, I don't want to listen to this music for 30 minutes. I only do um, certain styles of classes in like a certain number of difficulty. Like my cutoff for difficulty is like 8.7. So if I look at the class and it's below, <laughs> below an 8.7. I won't do it. Not that it's not a great class. I just like, it's this pain mindset that you want to tap into. That's probably deeply rooted in doing CrossFit for 12, 15 years, whatever it is that you have to go as hard as you can every workout, which we know is not true, but yeah, doing CrossFit still. will bias your Peloton experience. But I think that's what I love about it. How you have all of those metrics and you yeah, can it's really cool. compare other than, you know, you, which I don't ever compare myself to, because right now you're just impossible to achieve, to hit your numbers. I always just look at my score. I'm just like, I want to be my previous best. Yeah, and for I sure. That's I what's cool about it. I definitely look at the output numbers and grade, like, my performance on my workout based off of my previous PRs. And what I would look at is, like, being uh, – you know, I went, I went acceptably hard in this workout. I have like a number in my head for 30 minutes and 20 minutes that I think I should be hitting every time I'm on the bike. I think more than, more than the, the cool uh, metrics that it shows you, like the Peloton really helped guide a lot of the stuff that we did with NC fit um, in transitioning to digital classes and uh, looking at how their trainers it's a performance, man. They, these guys, I don't want to call them actors. They're not actors, but they, they almost treat it like being a performer, right? They, they do. They yeah. are obvious, obviously super, super well-prepared. They know they have their one-liners, the things that they want to say, their mannerisms, their presence and attitude is through the roof, how they dress and how they look. It's aspirational. Especially they do the a women. really good job. 
I mean, it's yeah, basically it's, like fitness porn for some people. <laughs> some of those women, yeah. I'm just like, damn, like. Yeah. The men just, and the women are all good looking. Yeah, people, the men look dressed, great too. Yeah, dressed very smartly and um, but to tie, to nobody's tie back, eating. Yeah, I was going to say, to tie it <laughs> back to everything, you would never catch a meeting. And there are even times when I will watch a class, male or female instructor, doesn't matter, where they do things that annoy me. Hmm. And I'm like, what, what, it, what, what do they do? I don't like when they sing and dance. Oh, when they, when they like Bogart the music and they make it about their, their performance of the song or the dance. Exactly. That's exactly uh, how I would define it. And it reminds me exactly of where we went with this. It's like, if you're eating on the floor, this is about you. And when they're singing and dancing, this is about them. Yeah. And I know yeah. it's not. You can see great. that. I'm sure it's not. I'm sure like plenty of people enjoy that. Like we have to remember you and I are there to get a great score to crush it and get off where a lot of people it's like, this is their motivation to get off the couch, to lose a hundred pounds. So, so I understand how it's a little different, but a uh, man, there's like, like I love Dennis for example, but sometimes when he sings along with it, it's like a show. Like yeah. I, I catch myself singing to some of the good songs, but it's like under my breath and he'll, and I get it, like I'm saying, but I'm like, man, this is not about you, Dennis. This is about me right now. Yeah. And it's the same I, thing as, as the eating. I would, agree, I, I, I agree with you. I think that at some point the performance becomes more about the, the person uh, doing the, uh, putting the class on than the people who are on the bikes. Um, but I do think that there's probably, like you said, there's a lot of people out there who want to want to have relationships with these people and look at those moments as being humanizing. That person is being human and opening up an aspect of their personality, showing you that they are fun. They like the style of music. They're feeling the workout. And I could see that there's a level of motivation or connection there that that type of action inspires. I don't personally like when it goes on too long because I feel like they've distracted themselves from what's going on in the workout. Okay. I, no interesting feedback about Peloton. I don't know how much of this is true. This is just one person's opinion that I know somebody who went and took a Peloton class in their studio and they were saying that in the studio being a, a on one of the bikes there is like being an afterthought that they don't that they didn't care really the instructor didn't really care about what the people in the class were doing it was all about the camera all about the performance all about the people at home on the bike and it makes sense because i mean that's the that's their main consumer that's how they make their money the people there are i don't want to say props but that's but they what kind she of are. felt like yeah, that's what yeah, she I mean, felt like she said she felt like a prop well i mean I think I know how big the studio, even if there was a hundred bikes in that room, which I don't think there are, think that's a, a fraction. Yeah. That's a fraction. Roz was telling me last night, she took one of the Peloton 2020 classes. There was 20,000 people wow. live at that moment, but it wasn't even a live class. It was just like a, a, a the class that wow. we recorded, but because it was part of the challenge, like more people were at it, but imagine, you know, so yeah, it's got, it has to be a performance. So Again, I'm probably, as well as you, just a little jaded in that. I don't need the motive. Once in a while, they'll say something that like, okay, 
you got me amped, you got me fired up. But most of the time I just like, what music is it? I switch the volume. So I hear more music. Heavy, than, yeah. Yeah. And I just go, you know, and, and, and like you said, it's more like a moving meditation. If one of the instructors was eating though, I'd cancel my Peloton membership. I mean, even, even just thinking about how wild that would be if they were like, hold on, I didn't get to eat before class today. I'm just going to take a couple of quick bites of this bar and then we'll get back to it, right? Like, and you, I'd be shocked. And a lot of times you can tell they're doing two or three classes in a row. Like they're coming off the warm up, or they'll even say things like, hey, I just did a strength class. Now I'm teaching this. So they're moving too. From me to class yeah, to class. I, I, I don't know how many classes they do in a row, but I agree. I think it, they are doing a couple in a day. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of eating, I have to go eat MDV and I don't want to eat on this <laughs> podcast and offend you. And you've got another All train. Good, what is that the, and then the train the, going by. Is that the fourth like or the, fifth one? The, um, what would you call it? The arm going up and down to make sure you don't go on the tracks? No, that was just the bell that one of the trains has. Do trains, are there that many trains running in 2020? Like, is that really a thing still? Trains? Well, it was funny at the beginning of the pandemic, like there was literally nobody on the commuter trains. It was an empty commuter train that would still just run back and forth from, I guess, San Diego to LA. Now, as the pandemic has gone on, I see more and more people on the train. But a lot of times it's, it's freight or cargo that I'm guessing is coming up from Mexico and then into the US and then back down. I live in San Diego. Give me one. You're, you're a big reader journal etc can you give me one book you recommend right now different Oof. you know based on this what you checked out recently uh i'm reading i will teach you to be rich um right that now, it's, oh, ramit Sethi. um right. it's like a personal finance guide i just found myself not having as much knowledge uh in that realm as uh, probably should as a 36 year old guy, but, um, I haven't really read anything lately. That's blown my socks off. Really. I've been, uh, I've been wanting a new book recommendation. Do you have anything? I really don't have a, a I'm the kind of in the same boat as you. I've been doing a lot of, um, Blinkists. So I'm catching like the 15 minute summary of books, but I'm not, I haven't been reading as many books. I've been listening to a lot of Malcolm Gladwell podcasts and whatnot, but yeah, no, I need to get, I need to find a, a book. I've, the one that I just listened to was Breath by James Nestor. That was, that was interesting. Never um, just, he was on Joe Rogan and just talking about the power of breath and trying to incorporate more of that, you know, a little breathing routine, which is super, super nice and super helpful. Love Joe Rogan podcast. I love Me watching too. him on YouTube. I never thought I would, but like uh, watching how he, how he talks and interacts with his guests. He is, um, he's really, really skilled at it. I mean, he's been doing it for thousands of episodes, but. My, my go-to evening is a little uh, edible. I'm out in Colorado. And, <laughs> and then watching Joe Rogan on YouTube. It's like my way of zoning out. I really just enjoy it. And I get a lot of news from it too. Like, especially these days when it comes to politics, like it's where I hear a lot. And he tends to be pretty open-minded. So you get to hear both sides of, of the story. It's not all like, you know, bashing of one person. It's really like, hey, just listening. I, I, I agree. I like the clips on YouTube. You get kind of the best of without having to, it's, yeah. it's like everything. You're trying to um, hack, right? So I'm just trying to like, I don't have to listen to a three hour episode. I watch the four or five clips and I, and I get it. 
I, uh, I've been watching the, the full length ones. We've been putting them on on like Sunday morning. We'll pick one and, uh, which one have you watched recently that you enjoyed? Well, we watched post Malone and that was, that was more like, uh, just like fantasy land. That really wasn't, um, super informative. It was just like entertaining. Um, I caught, I caught the clips of the post Malone one. Yeah. David Cho was on recently or David Chow, David Cho. Um, yeah. Which I thought was really interesting because he's, you know, a super successful artist, but he's so he's got so much self hate, I think, at some level, or he's so self deprecating, and I think it's one of the things that drives him. But it was just interesting to see somebody who's obviously like so creative and so good at what they do have have so much doubt about what they are doing and how they're appearing, and um, yeah. Anyway. Check out the I, – I love Bill Burr when he's on Joe Rogan. Bill Burr is good. So, yeah, yeah that, that's one of the ones I watched the whole, the whole episode. But all right, well, I'll let you get about your day. I'll let you – Thank eat. you, Jason. It was great chatting with you. I'll talk to you later, I'm sure. Thanks for, all right, brother. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for having me. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. If you haven't already, do us a favor – head over to the Apple Podcast app and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you if you have any questions, comments, concerns, feedback for either Fern or myself. Hit us up, day at gmail.com or send us a DM over on Instagram at day. Once again, we couldn't do this without the amazing community and you are a part of it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting Best Hour of Their Day.